Welcome to the Financial Fun Podcast with your host, Tammy Johnston. This is where Tammy talks with business owner parents and grandparents about the interesting and important subject of money. We promise this to be an interesting and open discussion, as that's how we learn best. And now, here's your host, author of the Financial Foundations. Financial Foundations is a series of books to teach kids about money, goal setting, and living a balanced life. Find out more at financialfund.ca. Here's Tammy Johnston. First things first, I would like to thank all of my listeners that have subscribed and reviewed my podcast and invite you to subscribe and review if you haven't yet. I appreciate you helping us to get the word out and making financial literacy a safe and welcoming subject for kids and adults. Second, please check out my podcast website, financialfund.ca, where you will be able to access past shows, find out more about me and our guests, as well as purchase the beautifully illustrated Financial Foundations books that teach kids about money in a fun, healthy, and holistic way. Thank you once again for joining us for the Financial Fun Podcast. And today our guest is the never, ever stopping, always going Ultraman, Scott McDermott. Thanks for joining us, Scott. You're welcome. It's good to be here. So, Scott, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do? Hmm. Um, Well, in a nutshell, I guess, I was in a career of architecture uh, for 13 years, and I was trying to make junior partner. Uh, and I worked myself into near oblivion. I was sick all the time. I was very overweight. Um, I was horrendously out of shape. And I, you know, after several months and months and months and months of doctor's appointments and, and eye, ear, nose, and throat specialists and MRIs and CAT scans and trying to figure out what the heck was wrong with me, uh, the doctor finally said, Hey, you need to eat right. You need to get some sleep. You need to de-stress and you need to get fit. And I thought, hey, I think I could actually do that. Um, so I got the fittest I've ever been in my life and quit my job two weeks before being an associate partner in the firm and uh, went to work in a gym part-time. And uh, I had to do some contract work and stuff to pay the bills um, in the meantime, but eventually I opened my own uh, 15,000 square foot gym in Silver Lake, and uh, since then I've gotten into triathlon, and I've competed around the world, and I've been to the Ultraman World Championships, which is two and a half times longer than an Ironman, um, and yeah, life has just been an amazing journey since I started to do what I love instead of what I was good at. That that works for an awful lot of people when you, when you get out of the things that you're doing because you feel you have to and have no other options and start doing things that you actually love and care about yeah i got into architecture because my high school counselor and my high school drafting teacher and a few other people said geez you're really good at this this is what you should do and i kind of thought oh okay <laughs> you know and, and and i was good at it but i didn't love it so now now i'm really good at something i love so <laughs> the biggest challenge i have now is not working too much in the sense that i I just really like what I get to do, and there's lots of it, so. Yeah, it's it's the joy of learning balance. And what is your family situation, Scott? I am very blessed. Um, I have a wonderful wife, Hillary, and we've been married for almost 25 years. And uh, we have a beautiful young son, Caden, who's four and a half. We're, uh, we're a little late to the party, but uh, some things quite don't quite go as planned, so it took us uh, took us a while to uh, to have him. He was on back order, so. <laughs> 
Yes, but you got a wonderful, wonderful gift when he did come. Yeah, he's a miracle. He's just awesome. He's totally, he's he's awesome. <laughs> yeah, a lot of fun. He he's quite the little cutie. So going back, like you said, you were an, you were an architect because that was what was recommended by your guidance counselor and all that stuff in school, and and then you decided to okay, take that big leap and and walk away from the safe and secure and start your own own business. What were what were some of the biggest lessons you learned doing that? Oh, there's tons of them. Um, and just to be clear, I was an architectural tech uh, and a project manager. I just want to, oh, okay. I don't want to claim a title I don't own. But uh, there was lots and lots and lots and lots of lessons. Uh, I mean, I had no business experience at all. Um, you know, I had never run anything remotely like a business. So the first thing I did was was get a coach. Um, I started working with Andrew Barbara Starkey and um and, and, you know, just getting some coaching from him. And I also hired, uh, a couple out of Calgary, Kevin and Rayanne. They are, uh, consultants that help gym businesses, um, operate where they were back then. Um, so I hired them to sort of teach me how to run a gym. So that was huge. Um, and then of course, you know, we remortgaged our house and we borrowed some money from our folks to get the down payments all together and I had to create a business plan and I'd never created a business plan before. So there was all of those pieces to do. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things learning about just the day to day. I mean, um, running a business is a lot, you know, human resource management, hiring, firing, all the rules about what you can do with employees, what you can't do with employees as far as paying them and, you know, severance and all that stuff. So, there was a ton of stuff I had to learn there. And, um, you know, one of the big things I really had to learn was dealing with money. My wife and I took, uh, uh, who ran that course where you, I think that was Harv Ecker that did we you're a spender, a saver, uh, yes. a hoarder, and an avoider. Yeah. So, um, Hillary, my wife is a saver and I'm a spender, um, prior to that course. So, uh, I mean, I grew up, in uh, in a boom town, Fort St. John, uh, where my my dad ran a garage and my mom ran Tilden a car, and they there was a period of time when I was a kid, up into the very very early '80s, where we just had tons of money. Uh, in my view, as a little kid, I don't yep. know what was relative, but um, you know, we went out for supper five nights a week, and it was steak and lobster, and we brought all our friends and. You know, everything was just whatever you want, you got kind of a thing. Not to a crazy degree. We lived in a simple house and whatever, but cash was flowing. Then all of a sudden in the early 80s, it all went away. And uh, we'd lost everything. My dad lost his business. Like, it just all went away. Um, so I've seen sort of both sides of that fence. I've seen having money flow, and I've seen money not flowing. So I tried to take a lot of those examples with me when I built my own business. Um, one of the lessons I learned from my dad... My dad lost his business because he didn't own the land. He he built a building on a land package that he leased. And when the owners of the land came and said, get out, we're building something else, he had no choice. And so his business was just gone. They paid him a token amount for the building or whatever, and, and that was it. So when I built my own business, I knew that I needed to own the land and building. So we bought an acre of land in an, in an undeveloped area of Sylvan Lake, which I, with my architectural knowledge, I had looked at the planning uh, diagrams for the town, and I knew that that's where they were growing towards. So we bought uh, an acre of land at a, at a really nice low price, 
um, at the time. And now we're surrounded by Canadian Tire, Boston Pizza, Walmart, Fountain Tire, a movie theater. We're surrounded by buildings and businesses. So, um, you know, there's been a huge increase in value. But, uh, yeah, there was lots of lessons to learn about um, uh, specifically about money and how to deal with everything and, and how to run a budget. Um, you know, as a, as a former spender, I was really good at buying new equipment and I was really good at spending and stuff. But, but keeping money and saving money were skills I really had to learn. Well, those are skills that, that everyone has to learn. And I love the fact that you're talking about, like, learning from your parents and stuff that you need to own and and not deal with that. Like, uh, I remember reading uh, Made in America by Sam Walton, his biography that he wrote shortly before he died, and how he talked about how he lost his first store for the simple fact that he never read his lease. And there was a clause in the lease that said, um, the landlord can take your business at any time for any reason. So yeah. Sam was very good at running the five and dime store, and he made it very successful. And the landlord says, "I'm going to op- I'm going to uh, exercise my option," and he kicked him out. Yeah. And he says, um, "It was it was the most valuable lesson he ever learned." And yeah. Sometimes that that's where it comes from. You have to you have to really really hit, feel that pain to get it. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's not all sunshine and roses. Like it, you know, it can, it can change even with owning the own, your own building and land too. Like the, we had a meeting with, uh, with, I don't know if you, how much you want me to be honest with the world, but RBC was our bank. <laughs> uh, well, I was, uh, we were with service credit union for a long time and, uh, I wanted to, to renovate the back part of our gym and, and add some equipment and, um, you know, we had built a, an indoor rock climbing wall and it was a failure. It was a quarter of a million dollar failure. We did, we did not have enough clients to, to make it worth having. So we gutted it. We kept a little one wall, but we, it was 1400 square feet of rock climbing. Um, it was a fantastic facility. State of the art. Amazing. Like I said, I'm good at spending money. Um, but all of our projections and all of our research and all of our data and, you know, all the high school groups that said they were going to come and the scout groups said they were going to come and they didn't. And, um, so we gutted it, but we needed money to do that. So at the time, service credit union was a little cagey and the lady in the loans department was busy and then she was on holidays and blah, blah, blah. So I had a, a guy that I knew at RBC and, and, uh, boy, they were just too keen to take over everything and move us over to RBC and gave us a half a point break on our interest and like that. So we moved to RBC. Uh, and then a couple of years later, they, they contacted me and said, Oh, well, we want to, we want to meet, just go over the annual review and just have a little chat. And I'm going to introduce you to the new guy who's taking over the commercial loans department. I'm like, okay, great. So we, uh, we met and, um, and it was a great little conversation. I thought everything was fine. And then all of a sudden, uh, they slipped me two little stacks of paper and, uh, and in, in the, a bank manager guy goes, well, we noticed your numbers were down last year. And in my head, I'm picturing Jack Nicholson as the Joker going, wait till you get a load of this year. <laughs> you know, like, yep. uh, like, what are you talking about? Last year wasn't that bad. This year is horrible. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> I told him that. But uh, so they they wanted to bump our interest rate from 4% to 9.25. Oh, my. That's not a little bit. That's a lot. <laughs> Yeah, so once, as I was reading that, I basically, I wasn't very polite anymore. Well, I, was, I guess I was, but 
I basically just looked at him and I said, so I have two choices. Either I find a new bank or I have to pay this ransom note. Is that correct? And the guy went, uh, uh, well, I guess so. And I said, great, you can leave. And, um, I haven't talked to them since. So we're, uh, we're moving, we're back at service credit union. So, you know, it's, and they've been good to us, which I'm very, very grateful for. It's not always, you know, you, you do your best to try and protect yourself from weirdities and oddities as best you can, but they still come up, right? That's still, you know, this economy and this government is, is a challenge that small business owners didn't predict. And it is what it is, you know? You've got to just deal with it find a way. Well, no matter what, life and business is always full of challenges. And, and, and I go, I've been running my own business for, we're coming up on 15 years now. And mm-hmm. I'm going, the stuff that used to make me sweat bullets at the beginning, like, that's absolutely nothing. Like, that's that's not even a blitz. And, yeah. and, 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 and the stuff that, okay, has me a little bit challenged now. Ten years from now, are going to be absolutely nothing, and I don't want to think about the things that are going to make me sweat in a decade. Seriously. Well, and it's you know it's neat too. Like uh, at, at Andrew Barber Starkey's Pro Coach Coaching System, which I'm still a member of, um, the quarterly focus we have right now is turning obstacles into opportunities. And as always, every every three months we meet, and it's just a great reminder of, of, of some key principles. And this one really resonates with the recession. I mean, as much as the recession is challenging and we have a a premier who's changing the rules and making things really hard for small business and stuff, uh, you know, and then there's the global economy and all that stuff. The, the inherent fantastic good stuff of the recession is we went from an inefficient business with 27 staff to a far more efficient business of 22 staff and we've stopped doing things that weren't profitable and we've stopped doing things that were expensive and we've cut hours where we didn't need them and we cut classes out that people weren't attending and 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 I've managed to to really build a team or or only keep a team that are superstars like we only have fantastic staff and and all of our staff understand you're either awesome or you're gone because we can't afford to keep people that aren't awesome. So that's been good. You know, when this recession ends and when the entire province kicks our current government out, I hope, uh, and we get back to sanity, we're going to be a lean, mean machine that's ready to fly. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. We just have to survive the next few years. I might be a little bit weird, but I actually love recessions because mm. recessions weed out the weenies. The people yes. that aren't doing a good job, aren't working on their business and doing all that stuff, they get weeded out and, and the world doesn't stop. Things keep going and recessions are when the good companies get stronger and better so that when the recession does turn around, because it always does. Yep. then they are set up to totally and completely kick ass. I love recessions. They are the sorting time. They they are a sorting time, and that that's very true. I guess, you know, the hard part um, that I've struggled with this year, um, you know, as you know, at my last Ultraman World Championships, things didn't, things didn't quite go to plan. Um, I crashed on day two and just about died, so I ended up with a... I broke my left arm in half and broke my shoulder in four pieces and broke three or four ribs and 
cracked my skull open and rattled my brain around really badly. So, um, to, to come home to Canada after my race, uh, go straight into the hospital for surgery and then, you know, be working with a neurologist and be unconscious most of the day, uh, and, and walk into the worst January we've ever had with the recession building strength and me unable to think, um, it was challenging. It was incredibly challenging. And I have great staff, even at the time I had a great staff, but those, those staff were only capable of doing sort of what they knew how to do. I was always the marketing guy. I was always the big idea guy. I still am. And so without that driving force of marketing and without that driving force of new ideas and, and new concepts, we were just sort of idling during our busiest time of the year. Um, and so sometimes stuff happens and it just makes the world a little harder than it has to be. And, you know, like you said, that's life. The world keeps spinning. So you just have to find a way. Um, and like I said, the nice thing is my staff really stepped up and we found some rotten apples that needed to be weeded out. And that's been fantastic. It's been, you know, it's funny. Sometimes as a business owner, and especially maybe this, especially me, I don't know, but, I tend to believe that people are worth saving or can be fixed when they have characters or traits that aren't supportive. And the reality is they can't be. Um, you can't fix people. If somebody is a negative glasses, half empty gossip, you can't fix that. No. That person needs to leave. That is a toxic cancer that will spread through the organization and kill good people. And it's, it was funny. When we got rid of a particular staff, the entire other 20-odd people, their shoulders got taller, they stood up, they straightened up. Um, you know, it was, it was amazing to see how much that changed all of our staff um, when that one person left. So there's always lessons to be learned as a business owner. It never never stops. Well, it keeps and, you from getting bored there, darling. <laughs> well, there's that. Yeah. Yeah, there's that. So. So so with your son being like he he he's now hitting the preschool age and stuff. Is he asking any questions or are you seeing anything with him around the subject of money because like you said you you had a very different childhood growing up because like you said there was there was the cash was flowing and all sorts of stuff and then there was the crash and and, yep. and now your son's starting to get to the age where where he's conscious or you just Noticing anything there? Oh, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's funny. I mean, he's four and a half. He just thinks that we, we go to the store and buy whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want. And it there's no consequences or requirements for that. You just do it. Um, so that's kind of funny. We have him on a, uh, a little program right now. So he's, 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 he's all potty trained except for nighttime. He still has mm -hmm. nighttime diaper because he doesn't know how to control his bladder as he sleeps. So we created a little point system. And he gets one point if, when he gets up in the morning, the first thing we do is go straight to the bathroom and pee. And if we pull down his diaper and it's dry, he gets an extra four points. Oh, my. When he, when he, I know, right? And so when he accumulates ten points, he gets to go to Walmart with me, because it's the only store we have in Silver Lake that has Lego. Yep. And he gets to pick out a Lego. And... 
so it was really cool. Like, and he's really enjoying it. Um, and it's funny, the first time he went to Walmart, I thought, oh, he's going to pick out the $200 one. And he didn't. He picked, like, some $24 one. It was great. Um, so he's picked this little Lego and that little Lego. And now he's sort of, he's gotten onto one that has a theme to it. It's volcanic explorers or whatever. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And I kind of think that he, he gravitated towards it because on the cover of the one package, there's a, there's a volcano in the background. It looks just like the island of Kona where I go for the Ultraman World Championships. And he's been there three years. Yep. Bro. So I think somehow he identified that. Anyway, the last one he picked was a $150 set, which my wife was like, wait, $150. And I'm like, <laughs> well, he picked it. He likes it. So, you know, I'm, so it's interesting for me to balance the old lessons I had where my dad was incapable of uttering the words love. He instead bought us things. Mm. And so I still have a little bit of a resonance with that. And, um, you know, one of the things I remember reading fairly recently was, um, it's important to give your children all of the things you didn't have as a kid, but we're not talking about things. We're talking about time and love, something like that. Yeah. And, and so I'm very cognizant of that. So I'm trying to sort of give my son both to a degree. I, I definitely, I want to have, I want him to have some fun toys. Uh, you know, and some things that he enjoys that stimulate his mind and that are appropriate for his age. But I also really value spending time with him. And and what I like about getting him Lego is I get to sit down and play with him and build Lego with him. And, you know, that's pretty special stuff. But, yeah, he's he, he's definitely in that age where he's like, well, why don't we just go out for supper? Or why don't we just go here? Why don't we just buy this? And we say, well, we can't. And uh, we're trying to explain a little bit of the basics. And when I say, well, daddy has to go to work and he's like, it's all pouty. He's like, I don't want you to go to work, daddy. Then uh, I said, well, I need to go to work because that's how we earn money so that we can buy food and, and pay for the house. And he goes, we have enough food. We don't need any more. Oh. You know, <laughs> it's really cute, but he just, you know, he, he wants to hang around with me more than he wants, you know, me to go earn food. So we're trying to sort of introduce the concept to him and, um, he has a little piggy bank and, um, he, he has a savings account and poor, the, the kid's got like four grand or something in his, in his university account already. Um, so, you know, that's kind of fun already, I guess. Um, he doesn't really know about it, but he's, he's got a fat savings account already. So, and he's got a little piggy bank and sometimes I come home with pocketfuls of change and he gets to put those in his piggy bank and we tell him about it. And, um, so, you know, we're trying to start with some of the basic things and, and let them know that certain things are too expensive and we're not going to buy that today and stuff like that. So I don't know. It's, uh, I know you've got a book or something about financial stuff for kids. Um, six that, so far and more to come. <laughs> only six. Okay. Only so six. yeah, that's, that, that's definitely a direction we want to head with it to make sure as well that he sort of learns some better habits than we do. Well, it's, it's, it's always a good thing. So, so, so to close off here, if you could make sure that Caden understands three lessons about money when he when he graduates high school, what three things would you want him to get so that you feel you've been successful as a dad? Successful as a dad with him, I think um, the, the biggest thing I really want him to understand when he comes out of high school is, um, is managing uh, like loans, like credit cards and money that isn't yours. Um, because that's a really fat trap and it can get you into trouble really fast. Um, so understanding 
borrowed money is a big thing. Um, and I really want to make sure that he understands um, the percentage principle that we learned from from T. Harv Eker, where you put 10% to charity and 10% to savings and 20% to financial freedom and that kind of thing, right? That was one of the big key pieces that succeeded in kind of saving our marriage, in a sense, is is understanding that piece of balance. Because I would spend until I had nothing. Um, you know, we'd be down to our last dollar and I'd buy a VCR back in the day. You know, um, that's an exaggeration, but yeah. the point remains. So I had to learn how to save. I had to learn how to be frugal and she had to learn how to spend. Some of her toughest assignments have been to go to the mall and spend $200 on yourself. And she would take all day and fail. Like, I only spent 140 but I got a really good deal. This was on sale. I'm like, oh, my God, lady. But so, and I love her. And, and, but I'm the same hopeless the other direction. It, it, right. It's hard getting over those emotional lessons that we learned as kids. It mm-hmm. really takes a lot to get over whatever side we're on. <laughs> yeah. And so for, yeah, like I said, I, I would hope that Caden walks out of high school understanding debt um, and, and credit card companies and interest and payments. And I hope that he will understand um, the percentage system of save some for later, you know, uh, that whole piece, um, long-term savings and spending, you know, bills, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I think the, the third thing would be to really understand that money is just a tool. It's not good. It's not bad. It's certainly not the root of all evil. It's just a tool. It's like a hammer. It's like a saw. It allows you to do things, and it is a requirement for our current society. If we achieve Star Trek reality where there's no money and everybody's just happy and fulfills themselves because they want to, great. Wonderful. Something we to get aim there, for, but it's not where we are now. <laughs> exactly. When we get there, hooray, but we're not there right now. So in this environment, money matters, and money is important, and managing it is important. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to uh, join us. It was a great conversation, Scott. Cool. You're welcome. Before we leave each other, I would ask all of you listening to please subscribe to and rate my podcast. A review would be most appreciated and feedback is always welcome. Whether it be a comment, future topic suggestions, and or questions you or your kids would like to have answered in the Ask Tammy column on the financialfund.ca website. Please feel free to check me out on Facebook at Financial Foundations Children's Books, on Twitter at Financial Fun, and Instagram at Financial.Fun. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Financial Fun Podcast. Join Tammy Johnston again next week. For more information, please visit FinancialFun.ca.